At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're back and joining me. Guys might know him from X, Twitter. I don't know what to call it anymore. Michael Marino. You can check him out at Marino MLB on X, National MLB Reporter. And Michael, welcome to the program. And, you know, this is the time of the year where actually in a lot of ways people are more interested in baseball because of the rumor mill. It's amazing. I mean, you're in the business, so you understand traffic and everything. But it's, you know, as I was watching the GM meetings unfold before everybody got sick because they didn't wash their hands at the buffet, you know, um, you're starting to see a little bit, and I hate to use the word clickbait, but a lot of educated speculation, speculation on rumors. And what really, for me, and this is just my opinion, was a fun time of the year, now has become so hard to disseminate what is speculation, what is real, what is agent posturing. And I know you're participating in some of this. So how do you go about, you know, kind of getting the right information and putting it out there to the public? Totally. I mean, it comes down to just talking to people, getting opinions. Um, you know, I think sometimes something's good, too good to be true. Um, you know, some of the people I talk to in the media who I have relationships with, um, they always say the same thing. Like, when all things point to one thing, you have to second guess and say, like, wait, is this actually it? You know, like, sometimes it doesn't always work out like it aligns. Um, obviously, it's November 12th, you know, like, the off season pretty much just started. So this is rumor mill season. You, you don't know what to buy. You don't know, you know, what's legit, what's not. And like you said, Asians speak. So you're sorting through it all and, and trying to find out what's actually happening and what's legit can totally be a, a difficult, you know, time, especially earlier in the off season, but trust your best guys, you know, ask as many people as you know, Hey, is, you hearing this? Is this true? And, you know, eventually you kind of get, get together with all of it and you say, I think this is the case or, or not. So the winter starts with the winter of Otani. The hot stove starts with the winter of Otani. And, you know, I was saying in the opening right now, all indications. And I had Jim Allen, who does a great podcast, a Japanese baseball podcast, who predicted the giants about a month ago, you know, everything seems to line up that West of the Mississippi, Arizona spring training, that takes the Red Sox out, that takes the Mets out, that takes the Yankees out. And for the Mets, with the deep-pocketed Steve Cohen, I really think you got to get a feel on this because to waste your time being used for Otani bidding when he has no intention of coming east, and and that was the case when he first signed, when the Yankees were trying to get him seven years ago, to me, you got to like bounce out of that Otani sweepstakes pretty quick and 
truthfully, I'm not really sure the Mets or the Yankees, uh, and obviously this is a Mets show, really are a factor, at least from the early uh, feedback you're hearing out there. Yeah, I mean, and so I've asked a ton about Otani. And I think, um, you know, Jeff Passon has been pretty vocal here. Um, He predicted that he would go to the Dodgers. I I pulled about 10 guys. I said, you know, where do you think he's ending up? And eight of 10 said the Dodgers. One said, I I just, I have no idea. And even those that said the Dodgers, it was just an educated guess. Because um, I talked to a few agents uh, who I know about three, four months ago. And I said, where do you, how do you see this playing out? And they said, I think there is something to be said for the West coast bias that they, they, he really does like the West coast. He's happy, um, was happy in Anaheim. And I'm I'm sure he would be in LA hard to know really where he falls. Um, I think money talks and I think the Mets, you know, can talk loud in that regard. So I don't think they're out of it. Um, I wouldn't count anyone out of it. It's, it's early. Um, all it takes is is one kind of outrageous offer, and, and you're in the ball game. So, um, I don't think a decision's been made. I have heard that there is a, a, a geographical uh, preference to stay in the West Coast, um, but again, money talks, and you know, I think anyone could be moved for an extra hundred million dollars. At least I could. So, um, absolutely, uh, Michael Marino and National MLB reporter. You guys can check him out on X at Marino MLB. Out there giving out responsible rumors, been following him for a long time, does great work. With the Mets, it gets tricky because, and you've actually tweeted about this, you got the Alonzo extension. Boris gave some glimmer of hope that there's talk, uh, you know, that there is obviously conversation. There's a feeling that there's desire by Alonzo to come back. Now, if this gets into Aaron Judge territory, that's, you know, and I always said a couple of years ago, and people have to go, this guy's going to be looking for 30 million a year. And now he gets to Boris, and I got to see the AAV of 30. It's got to have a three. It's not going to be Olsen or Freddie Freeman, 25, 26, unless they want to spread that out over 13 years like a Bryce Harper type deal. I don't see that. Right-handed power hitters don't age well. You know, I I, I wrote about this. You know, maybe you got a Paul Konerko. We'll see what Paul Goldschmidt, how he looks. He started to decline. So there's going to be some risk that you give a 10-year deal and you get three or four years. Then you add in what we just talked about, Otani, and whether or not they want to go out and put another $50 million on the payroll. I know it's Steve Cohen, but the payroll could get like a credit card being used and that balance being used up pretty quick. So give me a – you know, you've been on record saying you think Alonzo is not a shoe in to be the first baseman on opening day. Give me, give me your handicap here of Alonzo. Yeah, I mean, so – this is something kind of I've talked to everyone about. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people are quick to just say, oh, he's going to be a mad. You know, he's not going to be traded. Um, the smartest, most plugged in people I talk to, it, you know, and, and I think this is the case with any extension, right? Until it's signed at the dotted line, anything can happen. Um, Stearns was pretty upfront that he said, hey, we've received calls. We're not turning calls down. Um, the Cubs were really, really interested. The Brewers were interested. Um, and, and now look at what the Cubs are doing, right? They make a huge play for Craig Council. They've got a huge spot at first base, and they're looking for a power bat. Uh, you know, anything can happen. And until they are there on money, I mean, there's been some reporting, and, and I've asked around. I don't think the AAV is as much the problem as the years. Um I think they would be comfortable giving him the Freddie Freeman contract, which was, I think it was 6180. 
I don't think they have any problems there. And and that would make sense. You know, obviously Freddie was older. So you're, you know, you're giving him a, a contract as if he's an old guy. Obviously he's not. And the obvious counter is going to be, hey, this guy is, is much younger than Freddie Freeman was. And we want years. I don't know if they're willing to do that. Um, you know, I asked a few executives, what do you, you know, what do you think? And they said, I will believe that the Mets are extending an aging power bat first baseman when I get that notification that it is signed and done. And I think until that happens, there's a totally a possibility they keep them and there's no trade and there's no extension. That possibility exists. Um, but I think in that case scenario, they would field the market, see what the offers look like. If nothing's good, sit there, have another year. You can sign him back like you did Nemo because they've shown a willingness to do that when they hit the market. And, and he knows that. Um, but if you get a great offer from, let's say, the Cubs and, hey, you know, you're getting PCA and so-and-so, uh, I, we can't turn that down. And, you know, I'm just saying names. Who knows? That would be but, ironic, getting Pete Crow Armstrong back from Alonzo, maybe with a pitcher. Basically, and I, I know this is, a, a, you know, I'm dating myself, a Herschel Walker type deal. Give me an offer you can't refuse totally. uh, on, on Alonzo because 7-2-10, I think, could get it done. That's 30 a year, seven years. You know, maybe there's some language about some options later on or player or mutual options. I agree going to free agency with Boris doesn't scare me like it used to before Steve mm-hmm. Cohen was on board. I think the real dilemma for David Stearns and the fact that he grew up a Mets fan and he understands his fan base, or at least that's the feeling, you have all this emotion, emotional leader. Uh, Pete's been a homegrown player. He and Jeff McNeil were pretty much the offense at times, you know, the last totally you know, f- few 100%. Years. But then you really look at it in a, in a vacuum and you're like, he didn't have a bad year last year, but he started to show a, a drop down. He didn't progress at least the way I would have liked to see him. I thought in 2022, he was, you know, going the other way. He was a power hitter, but he was becoming more of a complete offensive player. I didn't see that in 2023. Now I know that he got hit by a pitch. This is difficult. Look, if it's just money and Cohen doesn't care and the luxury tax doesn't matter and it's not going to impact them building the team, who cares, right? But I have to think at some point, uh, especially with the penalties on 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 player development in the draft and international money and how expensive it is to build a roster, even for the richest owner. I mean, everybody makes that's good $20, 25000000 million a year. You have to sure. have guys in the first three, four, five years of their uh but you know, of arbitration to round out a roster, it, you you can't build like the Yankees did right. in 2004, right? I mean, that's where it's can't going. It. You can't do it. Even right. Steve Cohen, I don't think, could do it. No, and, and you know, they speak all the time about sustainability, right? They want sustainable winning teams. And listen, Pete's a great player. You know, if it was up to me personally, I would just pay him. Um, unless, like you said, offer you can't refuse and all right, well, this is going to revamp our farm system and, and we can't turn this down. Um, Pete's a great player. He's a homegrown Met. Um, you know, I think there's some concerns about his age in that, hey, maybe his, you know, he might profile the DH long-term because, you know, the defense is fine. It's not the world's best. And Force was saying it's improved. Well, you know, yeah. But what, how, what does that mean? You know, I mean, he's still pretty much league average and, I don't think it's going to get any better than than what it is right now. And there is value 
you know, for these, these 40 home run players. I mean, they're, they don't come by very often. So it's a hard decision for the team to make. Um, and I think they know that. And, and I'm sure they have the, the fans kind of perspective in mind here. They're, they're watching what they say. You know, I, I don't think they're upset if Pete Alonso is on the roster in, in 2024. I think they're totally happy in that scenario. They just want to make sure it makes the most sense for them long term. I worry about the bat slowing down. I also worry about him getting it by a pitch, breaking a hammock bone, which would sap his power. I mean, he's he's a pinata up there. Uh, you know, there's not enough body armor to protect him. There is a lot of risk here. And when you go and you look at the history, Jeff Bagwell declined, Albert Pujols declined. You go into a 10-year deal. I mean, Pete Alonso is not going to look great age 37, 38, 39, 40. He's going to be Albert Pujols. You maybe have him come off the bench. You have him DH, have him do 250 at-bats. Maybe he's, you know, vying for his 500th home run in a Met uniform. All cool stuff, but, you know, an expensive $30 million unless they structure the contract. So that's interesting. And the thing, Michael, as you look at the Mets, that is so tricky, even as you pivot to the trade market, and I know everybody's talking about Juan Soto. Will Juan Soto become available? What other stars? There's so much uncertainty on this roster. You just rebuilt the farm system. Do you really know what you have in Acuna yet? Do you really know what you have in Gilbert yet? Do you really know what you have in these young, you know, Tidwell and and Scott, all these guys? You right. know this talent, but it's not like I feel a Stearns coming in, even with, you know, some of the player development guys that are left over, has a grasp that these are the prospects that I'm willing to keep. These who I'm willing to trade. And will those marry up? And if even if you bring a Soto in or go that route, again, I think Pete Alonso ties, what are you doing with Pete in that contract? And then you go bring Soto in without any kind of window to sign him as a free agent. And what are you doing here? You know, you might want right. to wait till the All-Star break. I don't know if the Padres will. I mean, that's a you know debate on that. So even from the trade market, I'm talking about big time, you know, Soto type player. It's sure. really not likely. And it's tough because I think you're got a guy who's learning the organization and an organization with a lot of questions, some good questions. I'm not saying they can't be a playoff team or compete, but I think there's a lot of questions that we won't know the answers for maybe till the all-star break. If you ask me now, I bet Juan Soto gets dealt before the season. I think that's where I'm at there. Um, there's mixed reporting here. I think it was Heyman that said they have no intentions of trading him and you know, others have speculated, hey, that might be a trade deadline thing. And I think the financial situation for San Diego has been pretty, pretty out there. They are cash strapped. And I think they might have no choice but to trade him. And, you know, what are you expecting the headlines to be coming out of San Diego? They're trading him. They, he, they can't afford him, right? What type of leverage does that give them in any type of negotiation? I mean, none. So they're going to put out to every reporter they know, that he's their guy, they love him until it drives some the team price says, up. Drives the price totally. up, yeah. And then boom, now you traded Soto instead of getting, you know, relative to to what it could be a bag of chips. Now you're getting, hey, this is the value we were looking for when you're trading someone like a Juan Soto. You look at what they gave up for him, right? And maybe it didn't turn out to be the greatest tall of all time, you know, CJ Abrams and, and company. But you know, they theoretically that was a big. When it happened, I mean, the industry was like, whoa, that was that was quite the package. And so you'd expect they, they get back something similar to that for less years, maybe half of it, right? And so that's where I, my guess 
you asked me is that he does get dealt before the season. And that's kind of an educated guess. I, I don't know that for certain. Um, I will say just my knowledge, it, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think some of the, the holdovers from the prior front office um, had communicated minor concerns about Juan Soto aging to Steve Cohen. That was something I had heard that and he didn't, they he don't didn't know- start off that well this year. He didn't start, he off, start off slow, ended up like 900 OPS, like always, sure. Sure. right? Um, great player. I know at, at some point there was some concern expressed to Cohen that, hey, this this guy might not age like like we hoped. I, I don't think that's where they're at now. Um, I don't have a firm understanding of where the Mets currently stand with Juan Soto. Um, I do know some some insiders throughout the league who have kind of pegged the Mets as the team to watch here, that if he does get dealt, they have the money, they have the hole, and and that could be a fit because you have an aging Starling Marte in right field. Um, you know, and, and that's a whole situation we could talk about forever. I mean, well, that's another, know. that's where the questions are. You don't know what you have with Marte. You don't really know what you have with Brett Beatty. All right. You have Nimmo, you have Alonzo, you have Lindor. You know, maybe right. you want to say McNeil is some ver- you know, there was other things going on with McNeil health wise. I don't think he's a 270 hitter. I know that this is too out. You know, he's becoming like the Howard Johnson, good year, down year, good year, down year. No, down it's year. it's an every other. He's an every other. Yeah, year he's becoming that. Yeah, he's becoming like that. Let me, you know, if you were looking at a prospect that you felt comfortable headlining a Soto trade on the Mets, who would you give up realistically that the Padres would actually accept that you feel, you know, would cause some pain, but is in that, okay. I can live with giving this guy up for Juan Soto and not regret it to a certain degree in, in five years. It's a great question. Um, the tough one, I think, because I've been thinking about it. I don't know, to be honest. I with don't you. know. You know, I think emotions are going to be tied up with any of the guys that you just got in the in the Scherzer and the Verlander deals. Um, you know, I personally, I like Gilbert. Um, you know, some part wonders – to me at least, would they be willing to trade Acuna? I mean, yeah, I don't know, right? I mean, there's more mixed uh, feeling on Acuna from what I've read than Gilbert. People seem more sold on Gilbert. I don't know if it's the profile or the little brother syndrome with his with Ronald, but I always feel like I hear better things about Gilbert than Acuna. Not bad things about Acuna, but more doubt maybe. Acuna, I mean, there's an obvious upside. He can run the bases extremely well. I mean, he's still in like 60 bats, some unheard of number. Um, I think when you assume he has that power that Ronald has, he doesn't. I mean, he's not that type of – he's not a 40-home run guy. I mean, he just, he's just not. Um, he there, there is obvious pros and cons to his game. And, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to turn into this power slugger, but – you know, if he's going to get on base and steal 60 bags for you, you will definitely take that. So sure. part of me wonders, you know, would he be someone that they look to deal for for a Soto? And the other part here is like, is he willing to sign an extension? That that completely changes it, right? Because if, if you're talking uh, to, to Soto's representation and you get a feel like, hey, we're there on the money and we know we can lock this guy up. Well, now – Sure, take right. Acuna. You know, I mean, right. we got Soto for the next. You got a, Bo- a Boris two for one, a lot Alonzo and, and Soto uh, with Boris, right? It, exactly. So, I mean, and that's the whole. You know, who knows where that goes? Because obviously, Soto forever has wanted to test the market. So, 
I think their impression of where they stand with Soto will determine in terms of contract talks would determine what that compensation would look like. What about Manny Machado? Could you see them holding on to Soto, maybe trying to bring him back and trading Machado to clear out space? We really don't know. I mean, we know that the owner of the Padres has money, but we also know there's cash flow issues that they just took out a loan. He's not willing yeah. maybe to put his money like Steve Cohen has into the team. Uh, what about Manny Machado? Did, didn't have a bad year, but again, not the best year. Always been some clubhouse, you know, questions. I know Tatis's name has come up. I find that less likely, to be honest. Uh, I know, you know, maybe they are still pissed off about what happened uh, with the the steroids or the performance enhancing, whatever you want sure. to call it. Uh, what would you think about that? You think there's any chance Machado maybe, or maybe even Tatis's, is that let's clear the salary out and keep Soto around as a ticket, so to speak? I asked one who would have probably as good of an understanding of, of the situation as, as I personally can get. And he said, who the hell is trading for Manny Machado? Um, I, I think the contract, they just gave him that massive re-up because um, he was he had the opt-out to, to test the market. Um, I mean, I think it was like a 10-year, 300 re-up. I mean, some some crazy numbers there. And I don't think it's getting much better, right? I mean, he's. I think it only goes down from he's here. And 30 he's 30 years old. Play. Yeah, he's 30 years old. So – I just I don't know if teams want him on that ten year thirty nine million dollars at age forty. That's a rough one. <laughs> pill to swallow, and I don't think anyone wants to. Um, you know, I don't think Tatis would get traded. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, if you you, you follow what they do, they do crazy shit all right. the time. Absolutely, they're a brand of baseball. So who knows? You get a great offer for a Tatis, and you know Preller hates the sell and. I, who knows if they really are willing to, but I have a hard time, you know, believing Manny Machado would go granted interest. I mean, I think it just makes too much sense to trade Soto for where they're at. They went all in and uh, it didn't work. And and now you kind of got a transition and it's a tough pill to swallow, but I think it's one they have to. Michael Marino here joining me. Uh, great stuff. Really uh, giving us some good information about the free agent market. When you look at what the Mets have in front of them, David Stearns at the GM meetings, they gave, gave you a lot of code for a good offseason, an active offseason, but maybe not a star-studded offseason. Personally, a lot of the pitchers, especially the ones that have qualifying offers, are going to get B-plus money, and you might get B-minus, C-plus, or C-performance out of some of these guys. It's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm not sure. I'm convinced that all of those guys, Lucas Giolito, for example, are you know any better than some of the depth options the Mets have right now? I don't think the Mets want to give up any more draft capital with qualifying offers for those kind of players. I think Japan is going to play a big part in the pitching situation, whether it be Imanaga or Yamamoto. And I think you're going to see, and tell me if you if I'm reading the tea leaves wrong, maybe a Kevin Kiermeyer, maybe a Gio Urshela type, you know, Justin Turner on offense. I'm just throwing names out there that make sense, component players, because they need to figure out what they have with Beatty and with Mauricio and Gilbert, maybe, and Acuna. They already have their core. And you could always not be perfect on opening day. And, you know, 84-win team makes the World Series. I think if you could start the year being an 85 to 87-win team and build from there, what is it, one extra win a month to get to the mid-90s? You could achieve that over 12 weeks. Mets did that in 2015 and 2016. Uh, sure. Not the way I like building a team. You want to be ready, locked, and loaded day one. Right. 
But I think that's where they go. And I think it's going to be tough for Stearns because I think social media and the Met fan is going to be disappointed. They talk radio is going to be disappointed. It's the right way to build the team, but it's not going to be winning the offseason after what you saw the last couple off seasons where they're getting used to Scherzer and Verlander and, you know, the Black Friday spending spree and forever, even though it was only a couple of weeks totally. and stuff like that. So I think that's where Stearns goes. That's the gut listening. You got to listen to what these guys say. They give you the answer. You just got to pay attention. Don't make what you want to hear what was said. There's a gap between that. No, and and I think it's in Stearns' DNA, right? I mean, eight years in Milwaukee, you know, every year that Turner was available, I had people tell me they're in it. And and they, I know for, uh, there was at least one time where they were really, really in it to the finish line and lost out at the end. So Turner's a guy I would watch. Kevin Kiermeyer feels like every team that is big on analytics is in on Kevin Kiermeyer. The Mets were in on Kevin Kiermeyer a year ago as the backup option to Brandon Nimmo. So, you know, uh, some of the front office is gone. Some of those guys have held over. Um, I think it's it's one or two of, of Epler's lieutenants are out. The rest of them currently in the organization. So you have to imagine maybe one or two of them still like Kevin Kiermeyer. That Kevin Kiermeyer is percent the type of player that Milwaukee would target every year. So I think it's going to be interesting for him. And this is something you talked about in Milwaukee. You got to think out of the box. You have to be innovative. You have to do some crazy trades here and there. Doesn't always work. You saw them try. They traded Hunter Renfro for JBJ. He was horrendous. I mean, he was a disaster. And, and so they, you know, sometimes they're offloading cash and, and taking chances on these cheap kind of flyers. It's going to be interesting to see what type of balance he strikes between doing the same stuff he had to do in Milwaukee. Now he doesn't have to do it, but he's had some success with it. Does he keep on dipping in that same well and, and trying to, to get a Kevin Kiermeyer to have a better year than, than expected? Um, or does he kind of, keep along with the path the Mets have taken, like you said, of, of mass spending. I think there's going to be a fine line they try to navigate there. I think Yamamoto is one. They might be willing to just, hey, splurge on it and just go, hey, it's 250 We think this is the dude. Just pay him. Let's just, you know, you, does anyone have reservations? No. Let's just give him the money. Because Could you see them do both, Imanaga and Yamamoto? I mean, he's, the, the lefty's interesting. You know, obviously doesn't profile the same dominance, but He's interesting too. Imagine a Far East rotation. We're thinking of Otani there, but you have three Far East Japanese pitchers never really done in New York, diverse neighborhood. I mean, think about the marketing, worldwide marketing that the Mets could become. And I think that would be attractive. Totally. You know, and so I've talked to a few people about about that possibility. And what they have said to me is if you look at, at the history of Japanese players coming to MLB clubs, what you find is that a lot of them have shown an unwillingness to play with other Japanese players. That's kind of a, a thing in, in Major League Baseball. And my understanding is Yamamoto and Senga have no unwillingness to play with each other. That that is something that they would not be opposed to. They welcome each other's presence. Senga is actually recruiting him to come here. Um, I haven't gotten that same kind of impression um uh, with Imanaga, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Neither, but... neither am I. I'm probably not, but we'll figure it out yeah, soon enough. <laughs> ex- exactly. I mean, I don't, you know, until I get that answer, The historically speaking, it's usually no. 
So until you hear yes, it's usually a no. Um, I, you know, who knows? Like, like I've said before, money talks. And if, if they're 15 million over everyone else's offer, you might have just landed them. So, um, and also, you know, I think it's, it's well spoken and said out there. These are two different pitchers. Yamamoto is a power pitcher who really has some ace upside. You haven't heard much of that, right? And there's been a lot of pitchers that come out of Japan that are kind of, um, I believe Yusei Kikuchi was one of them, right? And it, it's a, it's a, I believe he's a, a lefty, right? And, and mm-hmm. he, he hides the ball well, and he's got, he can hit 98 on the gun. And it doesn't always work out like you draw it up. And I think there's way less concerns about someone like a Yamamoto than there would be an Imanaga. So that's kind of where I stand. I'll believe it when I see it, when they get two Japanese pitchers, I think it's way more probable they get a Yamamoto unless the Yankees, um, I heard the Yankees and the Diamondbacks are two players that are very heavily involved here. Diamondbacks. I heard about three, four months ago that like, I would watch them. They are scouting him more than everyone else in baseball. And more so now you've seen the reporting, like the Yankees are desperate. They, they're waiting for that big, right? They had Cole. It's worked out just like they just like they had hoped. But how many times have they taken chances on Frankie Montas and J.A. Happ? And, you know, it feels like every offseason they're just shooting a dart and, and missing. At some point, they're going to have to land the guy that works out just like they hoped. And I think in their eyes, Yamamoto is, is one that they are, are really thinking he might be their guy. They're They're impatient, right? I mean – you miss the playoffs for Yankee standards. That's an epic failure. Does that get them to kind of putting the, the cherry on top and sweetening up the deal to say, just get them. Just let's just get them. We need an ace to add to this rotation. And, and that's where we're, we're at. So the market will determine where he ends up, but there's interest league wide and the Mets are, are one of them. You look outside of Yamamoto, if they can't land uh, who's as close to an ace, I know there's a lot of questions there. You want to stay away from the qualifying offer guys. So then where do you go? I mean, is the Seth Lugo reunion possible? You know, do they go in, uh, you know, uh, Jack Flaherty, uh, you know, which is risky. It's interesting because you have a lot of young arms. Again, you don't know how close they are and how upside they really are, how much upside. Hard to build this rotation when you don't have DeGrom and Scherzer or Scherzer Verlander at the top. Where do you see them go? If you had to make a prediction now, say, like, let's put Yamamoto aside. Who, what, what other names, if you're a Mets fan, would you be watching on the free agent market? Or do they try to trade for a Shane Bieber uh, or something like that? What would you be watching for this offseason? What do you think the Mets fans should be anticipating there? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I mean, I think they're going to look at all avenues. I think trade is an avenue. He, uh, Stearns, has... has he loves trades. I mean, he's made it well known to this point. You look at his history. Um, you know, it's not said a lot. The reason he's not really in Milwaukee has to do with that Josh Hader trade that he made. Um, he, he knows he doesn't have Hader for a while. 
he's going to ship him off and get Rodgers back and hope that the difference between them is enough to where if you add some prospects and maybe that clears the difference, didn't really work out like he hoped. Um, you know, a glass now, my impression is he's going to get dealt. I, I mean, I'm pretty certain that Tyler Glass now is going to get dealt. Uh, power pitcher hurt a lot, but I mean, man, when he's pitching, he's he throws a hundred. He's he's got great location. He's got an unbelievable curveball. I mean, he's got the full repertoire. I think he's someone you should watch. And I know they've shown a willingness, at least Stearns, when he was in Milwaukee, to deal with the Rays. And there was a he made, and I'm blanking on who it was for. JP Fire. I'm blanking on the name, but he I know he pulled off what ended up being kind of like a pretty equal trade when it was all said and done, but they all turned into great players. So, you know, I don't think he's really worried about getting bit by a, by a Tampa, you know, cause I know a lot of the league is when you get a call from Tampa, you got to think twice. I don't think Stearns thinks like that. I think he will call a Tampa and say, Hey, what's the price on, on glass now? And I, he's not scared to trade with anyone. If he thinks that there there's the right player and he feels he has a good understanding of, of his own farm system, which unclear right now right I mean he's only been the, the Mets president of baseball ops for a few weeks now you know who knows how much he knows obviously he's going to get filled in by the guys that that they have but he needs to make his own determination on like hey you know maybe Pepler's lieutenants love Acuna but I don't and and sure. let's ship him you know so we don't know where he's at with that I think the trade market might take a little bit longer to develop than the free agent market I would say I would watch class now I think someone's going to take a flyer on a Lance Lynn or a Giolito. I mean, I think someone of that, uh, you know, of, of on that a two year is, deal, I don't have a problem with that. It's when you start giving guys like that three or four years, you start to, you know, total. look again, it's a sunk cost. You saw them eat the Scherzer and Verlander deals, but it's a little bit different trading a Scherzer Verlander than if you want to dump uh, Giolito or, right. and I'm not and sure that, that Buto or, or those guys are any worse. I mean, you got to start to say, yes, they're unproven. Yes, they're frustrating, especially McGill is so frustrating. Peterson out half the year now, frustrating. But you look at Lucas, Lucas Giolito, yeah, he's had some you know decent seasons. Is he really that much different other than the fact he's Lucas Giolito? I mean, that's the way a guy right. like Stearns is going to look at stuff like that. Right. And then you look at the bullpen, Michael. Um, do they go like, maybe that's where if they lose, you know, they go Yamamoto, maybe they go like a Seth Lugo type. The back end, do you beef up the bullpen? Do you go big in short-term deals for Robertson coming back and a Roldis Chapman, you know, maybe a Colin McHugh. But then you look at a lot of these free agents coming out of the bullpen, you know, the Aaron Loops and Brad Hand and Will Smith. Like You put them all on a, in a, in a, you put their names in a hat and pick one out. Do you really have a difference between one or the other? I guess that's where the analytics and the data science totally. is coming to play. Hard for you and I. So where do you think the bullpen part goes at that point? I mean, and that's the nature of a, of a bullpen arm, right? I mean, the difference between these starting pitchers and the, and the relief pitchers is the starters are throwing, ideally, right, 200 innings. That gives you enough data, right, with the ups and the downs where you get a good understanding of, hey, this is what this guy looks like over 200 innings. Obviously, you have bad seasons, you have good seasons, but there's enough innings there where you can sort through it some of these relief pitchers are working on 50 innings, right? And that's like, you know, think about any starting pitcher that's had a bad month, a bad month and a half. That's their entire season. And so 
that's why these guys fluctuate up and down like they do. So I wouldn't be shocked if there's like a Robertson return. I mean, I could, I could see that. Um, it's hard to know. I mean, it doesn't sound like they want Adovino. I mean, I think they've, they've moved on there. I don't think well, they got trying to guy. get a, uh, trying to get a job with SNY. That's at SNY. <laughs> no, I think you're right there. No. I mean, I just, it's hard to say, oh, you know, this is a, a relief pitcher. I haven't heard names personally. I mean, the only names I've really heard connected with the Mets. Um, I was told to watch out for, like you said, the Justin Turners of the world, the Kevin Kiermeyers of the world, the guys you can kind of get on a, on a cheaper flyer. I, I would watch Justin Turner for a lot of reasons. Um, I just know how bad Stearns has wanted him through the years, and Milwaukee never had the cash to pull it off. He's a great hitter. I mean, defensively, he doesn't have it anymore. He's a DH. But, you know, when's the last time they've had a DH they can – I mean, it right? It can't be any worse than Brett Beatty at third base. Let's put it that way. No, I mean, exactly. So, and you don't know what you have at third. So, um, I think Turner is someone to watch in, in terms of just general offseason. I think here, someone like a Kiermaier, those profiles I, I would watch close. Yamamoto was one mentioned to me. Um, you know, I've sensed, um, I think guys like Nola and Sonny Gray, I've heard connected very heavily to other, other places. So I would not expect the Mets to be as in on those guys. Firstly, I'm an, I'm a Nola fan. Um, not a great year for him. I think you just know what you're getting, you know, he's going to eat innings. So he's a guy I would watch, but in terms of bullpen, I don't really have many names for you, right. but look at right. the profiles of the guys. They took chances on in Milwaukee, high Makes upside sense. arm talent, right? The analytics type where, you know, they've tried before. And some of these guys they've had success with, um, you know, do they take a flyer on a, on a prospect that's almost coming up to the majors that they really like, that they want to trade for? Um, they had success with the Rayleigh trade. I mean, that was a good one for them. Sure. So, you know, I think they're going to look in all avenues, um, hard to kind of tell you which one to look in. Um, I think arm talent is going to be something he emphasizes. You know, power pitchers, that's something he's shown uh, to be a big fan of. Um, I, you know, I, people are connecting him to Corbin Burns. I love Corbin Burns. They're, he's a great pitcher. But do we not forget that they were penny pinching him in Milwaukee every year? And he was constantly upset at the organization. That he just, you know. But it's a trade, right? So he doesn't really have control over that. So it's hard to know where David Stern stands there. It seems like the organization was always playing against him. So now that, right, now that they're in this situation, is Stern the guy who might have been pity-pinching him for years, the guy who's like, we need to give up all, you know, our farm system to land him? I don't know. It doesn't sound to me like something that would make sense, but he's a great pitcher and they need starting pitchers. Hard to know which avenue they really look at as of right now. Last thing before I let you go. So uh, I've never seen the Mets. They hire a, a president of baseball operations. Now he's GM and president of baseball operations. Near unanimous goodwill towards it. Never get that outside the organization. Now they totally. don't get counsel. They don't get counsel, but they land on Carlos Mendoza. Should be announced in the next 48 hours, it sounds like. Near mm-hmm. unanimous praise on this, including across town, Brian Cashman. I don't think anybody has an agenda to say nice things about this man without it being true. Um, you, We've talked about it now for a week, though, but you're on. As we wrap up, 
give us your, you know, two cents on Carlos Mendoza, your feeling. And are we missing something here is, you know, how can this guy be this good? You know, what's the catch? You know, it's like you're leaving the car dealership. You're like, man, that was a good deal. What's the catch? You know, what, what did I, I just, what did I just do? What did I just do to myself that I don't know? So, you know, I asked the people that I know, um, ALEs who have relationships with them. I asked people in the media. I tried to get a feel for like, I asked everyone, you know, the guy, what's, what are your thoughts? Is he a good dude? You know, does he know baseball? Well, um, there was a few things that came back that was pretty much unanimous amongst everyone. Everyone said he's a great dude, just a, a good dude. I don't think he'll have any problem with the media. I mean, I think they'll really like him. Um, just seems like a nice guy. The players loved him in, in, in New York. Um, and so, you know, when you're with any first time managerial hire, you have no idea how it's going to work out. And it, it, it almost never works out. Like you draw it up. I know Joe, Joe DeMaio had, uh, a, I think it was a, a tweet up about, you know, like 10 of 12 managers in the postseason this year were first timers that were hired to that team. And the only ones were, I think, Dusty and Bochy. So, Would have been a great hire. I don't think he wanted to come to New York. Right? So, are you going to fault the organization for, you know, him getting the greatest managerial deal ever from ninety miles away? No. And, and I've seen this. Um, I, I've seen people kind of trying to say, "Hey, you know, the, the Mets were used for money. He leveraged the Mets offer um, for for more from Chicago." Yeah, I talk to people uh, in in Chicago in the media, and I talk to one guy now. I mean, they were interested in him. November first hits the day they were able to talk to him. We're really interested in you. We want to interview you, and we're not messing around here. We want to be big players here. It had nothing to do with the Mets. They were cautious. They had a feeling he really didn't want to come to New York. They gave him a legit offer. wasn't the world's greatest. They gave him a legit offer. And he, he didn't want it. He didn't even come back to, to, to leverage, right? He didn't play them like, like, it was, um, like it was chess. I mean, it really, he from the get-go, they kind of left, and counsel didn't say much to them. Their impression was, hey, I think, you know, I didn't really get a great feeling that he's dying to come to New York. And let's give him a competitive offer, something that is, is better than Milwaukee's. Let's not break records here. You know, he's a great manager. There's a cost to that. We want to pay him and give him fair market value. If he comes back and says, I want to be in New York, give me Matt Chicago's offer. Okay, well, now he's expressed that he has interest there. He never did that. He never came back to, to one-up. And so here they are getting Mendoza, who I know personally very close in the running in Cleveland. It's a guy that Milwaukee really, really wanted um, would have been high up in their rankings if if they had more time to process what was going on. Um, San Fran, he was a finalist. And San Diego, he was someone that they wanted to talk to. I think they're they're going to go to Schilt, um, was what I heard there. Obviously, a spot out of Houston. Um, Brewers probably transitioned to a Pat Murphy, um, someone, someone like that. Um, I know they were looking at Schilt. So, Everyone else wanted him. Usually when everyone wants to talk to him, that, that means something. Um, I, I, general impression, people like him, right? And then that's all. They think he's a smart dude. They think he knows baseball. They know the players love him. 
that that's all you're guessing on at this point. And to, to think this is a great hiring or this is a poor hiring, it's just right. I mean, it's a it's a shot in the dark, and yep. you hope it works out. And that's all it is. But the initial impressions from people around baseball, they think he's a smart dude, and they love him, and they think he's a really great guy. And and that's what the Mets are taking a chance on here. So are you going to be at the winter meetings? You know, obviously, the, if you're listening now at, at Marino MLB, Michael Marino on X, a national MLB reporter, really does a good job, responsible reporting. He's uh, he's thrown some really uh, good pieces of information out there to uh, continue the dialogue here on the hot stove. So what are we going to hear from you and see from you over the next 30 days? This is the the heart of the hot stove between now and Christmas and New Year. So what are we going to get out of Michael Marino? It's one of my favorite times of the year. I'll tell you that. Um, I'm going to be everywhere. Um, I'm not going to be at the winter meetings. I'm not able to make it this year. Um, but what I will do is continually call all the people I know and, and try to, to find out what's going on around baseball. Um, you know, I, I definitely know of, of some things in the works around the league um, that I'm kind of keeping tabs on. So plan is, you know, keep, keep letting the phones ring um, and, and try to find out what's going on. Right. I mean, it's hard, it's harder now with Stearns because in Milwaukee, he got on the media for whether it be false reporting or jumping to conclusions. I know that was something that he didn't really like when the media was jumping out and, and, and trying to um, jump the gun on something. So um, he's going to make sure very few people know what's going on there. I mean, the, my impression, my my understanding is at some point this past year, the Mets, um, they issued a, essentially a statement throughout the organization that was like, stop leaking information or you didn't your hear, job. Yeah, you don't hear anything out of the organization. Nothing. You heard nothing. Even Andy Martino, who usually is pretty plugged in, was reactionary with the managerial search. And that's I mean, going to make life really hard for Mets fans. And that's going to make Stearns' life hard because all the educated speculation is going to gas up the fan base. And again, listen to his comment. You guys heard the clip on the way in on the show. He told you what the plan is. We just talked about it. That's his words. He didn't lie. And when he right. doesn't go out and sign Blake Snell, who I wouldn't sign anyway, don't get mad. Because he told right. you he's probably, you know, well, he said he's going after pitching, but... You know, I'm not sure that totally. that's the kind of pitching. You know, the qualifying offer, I think, is going to be a big deal. Yeah. No, and, and I think they have rid the organization of some of those leaks. Um, you know, not entirely sure if they're all gone, right? Because there's <laughs> usually you can find them. But um, they did a really good job um, coming from someone who tried his hardest to find out what's going on. You know, they definitely upped their game in that regard. And and Stearns doesn't mess around with that. That's something I've heard from the people I know uh, who cover Milwaukee um, and, and report. I mean, they do not he, – he didn't mess around. He made it clear, like, I'm. you will get a call from me if you are incorrectly reporting something. And I, I expect it to, to, for that to be the case in New York. Um, but, you know, what's nice is when you're talking trade, when you're talking to an agent – you know, that's where a lot of that info will come from. And so I'm, I'm plugged in, you know, around the league and, and with, with several agents. And so, you know, I'm going to be kind of fielding, fielding calls from everywhere, trying to find every avenue where someone might know something, um, you know, before the rest. And 
hopefully I'll be there to scoop it for you. Well, listen, we're going to we're gonna bring you back on. This was a fun segment. You were very generous. I went way over. I promised you 20 minutes, and no, here we are. Totally. So enjoy your time. Sunday. Go watch some football. Uh, we're going to be following you on uh, on X. And thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate everything. Thank you, man. Have a great day. All right. Have a great Sunday, buddy. That's Michael Marino at Marino MLB, National MLB Reporter. Great stuff. Validated a lot of what we said in the open. So listen to David Stearns. Listen to what he said. Don't start making speculation. Don't go with the, you know, look at the columns, the educated speculation that we talk about. You know, I saw a column, I think it was Puma, you know, Mets need to improve their offense. Here's guys that they can do it with. The first one's Shohei Otani. I mean, of course, (laughs) of course. So anyway, all right, that's it. Great show. Hope you enjoyed it here on this Sunday. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me on X at Mike Silva Media and do the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, TalkingMetsNoG. Don't forget the newsletter, Substack.com slash at TalkingMetsNoG. And always, I like to thank the good folks from the Fan Side of Podcasting Network for supporting the show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.